Very good. Mic check one and mic check B are both, <laughs> both doing amazing. Great job, everybody. Welcome back. Boy, it's been a little while. Sorry for the delay. That was a busy summer, and we were in hibernation during the summer, as far as from the podcast. But it's good to be back. How was your summer, Andy? Busy, but good. I hate saying that, just throwing around busy like everybody else, <laughs> but life is just full. Uh, God is good, so yeah. Wonderful. Yes, he is. Yes, it is, and yes, he is. Well, it's great to get to be back. We're talking about something that's very easy to talk about, just kind of easing our way back into this. We're going to talk about hell. Obviously, a little sarcasm there. That is one of the hardest subjects that anybody can talk about. The last episode, which I think was filmed, or filmed, <laughs> filmed. there are no video recording devices in this room, that was recorded back before the summer was how could a good God allow suffering? And that's a tough Another question. Tough one. We, yeah. We've gone deep. We have gone deep. <laughs> we've, we've gone out of the park in a couple of these. Mm -hmm. And the answer to that question, just in case you haven't heard that episode or don't want to go back and hear it, the answer to that question is God gave us a choice. And the choice we made was sin, and sin pretty much broke the world. But thankfully, rather than stopping our suffering, God stepped into it. So that was the answer to that one. How could a good God allow suffering? He gave us human choice. He don't, doesn't take that away. But he did step into our suffering to identify with us and to ease that suffering to let us know he's been through it. Yes, yes. Which is amazing grace that he would do that. Indeed. So now we are going to continue to run in the same lane of the goodness of God, but we're going to jump a little higher hurdle, and that is how could a good God, a loving God, send anybody to hell? Going deep. We're going... <laughs> this one's going deep, 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 and it's foul ball. A lot of people's view of hell and Jesus is love Jesus or else. Right. That he dangles us like a spider over the pit of hell and says, if you don't love me, I'm going to drop you. Mm -hmm. But is that really what's going on? If Is God acting in that way? Now, I hear you have a story about somebody who intended to do good, right. but it didn't turn out <laughs> good. Care to share? Well, that somebody was me. and <laughs> Well, surprise is over. All the suspense has been lifted. Well, I love, I love the way you set that up because you talk about God dangling somebody as if, love me or else. And I think that that kind of helps or really enhances this mindset of, okay, I've got to do something because he's dangling me. What can I do? Sure. Which is a big trap. What can I do? Yes. So I don't go to hell. I think I'm a good person. I think I do good things. Look how many times I've gone to the soup kitchen and volunteered. I think I'm going to go to heaven, right? Exactly. And it's always a soup kitchen, isn't it? It's always a soup kitchen. <laughs> it's always the same kind of imagery. It's always right. the guy on the desert island. What about the guy on the desert yes, island that never heard guy? about Jesus? Where's he going? Everybody's worried about the guy on the desert let's island. Let's just Everybody's fly to the, to the desert the island. Kitchen. Let's pick the guy up. Let's bring him back to the United States. I right, think let's take him to the soup kitchen, right. and then we'll talk about Jesus. <laughs> and then I'll definitely go to heaven. Because <laughs> I rescued the guy from the desert island. And I served soup. And I gave him kitchen. soup. <laughs> this is, that's a one-way ticket to heaven. What if you serve soup on the desert island? Oh, mind-blown. I guess, yeah. Heaven on I mean, Yeah, right. <laughs> it depends on what kind. If it's broccoli and cheese soup, that's a one-way trip south. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Campbell's. Should we just start over mm -hmm, at this point? Good. No, I think we're too deep <laughs> we're, into this. We're too deep already. Let's go. We already started diving. Well, that same mentality, we can apply to a number of things and, and think of examples in our life. 
I've been in situations where I thought I can handle this on my own. I'm fine. And almost to the point of, I've got my head down, get out of my way. I got this. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that doesn't really always work. God didn't really create us to be that way. And we also can't get to heaven with that mentality. So what happened to me, and I'll share this with you, it's not one that um, probably is necessarily a highlight of my career, <laughs> but we did respond to a, an apartment building. It was about three or four stories. We had gone there because unfortunately a person had been assaulted, needed a police response. When we get there, things changed quite a bit because the gentleman who reported this assault says he's been assaulted by the female, the girlfriend. So we go in and we want to talk to this person. Now she is calm and cool, does not want to talk to the police. She's lying on a blow up mattress on the floor. She's got the covers around her waist and her hands are just kind of tucked behind her head. She's staring at the ceiling as if we aren't even there. And it's me my immediate supervisor at the time, it would have been a corporal and then one, two other officers. So four of us in here, the shift sergeant didn't come to this. He stayed out on the street supervising whatever he was doing. And the four of us are there. And my corporal, who's a veteran officer is trying to get this female's attention. This lady just does not want to respond. And so he tells her again and again, you need to talk to us. And here in a minute, I'm going to arrest you for assault. Now, a couple other things come into play. We realize there are some other crimes that have occurred and the evidence thereof. We're going to act on a few different things. So this person just kind of went into really just a bad situation, took something that wasn't good, made it much, much worse. And now these things are just compounding for her by not answering us, by not cooperating with us. It's only making things worse. And she just lays there, not responding. And finally, this seasoned supervisor of mine says, <laughs> I'm telling you for the last time, get up, talk to us. I'm going to pull these covers off and I'm going to get you up <laughs> one way or another. I'm going to count to three. And that's what he did. Are you serious? He did. Oh. So he rips the covers back once the countdown is done. And much to the surprise of all of us, what we thought was a full-length flannel gown that oh, surely man. covered her was bunched up somewhere around midsection. <laughs> and all she had on were some really tall socks and nothing else. Mm, and we were pretty shocked. So now the whole situation is just one of these crazy situations where you're thinking, this should have been real simple. Like we come in, we get a statement, uh, the victim gets taken care of. We go through with our procedures and everything's fine. It should just be real cookie cutter at this point. But everything about this call is just completely wrong. There's just nothing going right about this. <laughs> well, now all of a sudden she snaps out of it. She lays there for a second, seemingly unfazed by the fact that we're seeing a lot more of her than we really wanted to see. <laughs> All of the sudden, she's like, have you ever tried to give a cat a bath? Yes. Okay, well, that's what this situation turned into because she turned into not just a cat, a wild cat. She is fighting. That's before I had my glass eye. <laughs> and that's how you got it, apparently. That's right, exactly. She's ready to give us all glass eyes or at least black eyes. Right. And it's on. So we're trying to wrangle her. Not her. We don't want to hurt her. We want to just make this situation better. We want to get things resolved. And it's already been just a nightmare of a call. 
So I go to grab a hold of her and I get her over by the door. Now we're on the third, fourth level of this apartment, tiny little doorway, old apartment building, creaky old stairs that just look like they took an eternity to get down. <laughs> and I said, guys, I got it. I, I know what to do. Just get out of my way, basically. All I right. said it nicely to, to my <laughs> colleagues. Galloway, let me do it. because Remove from things. <laughs> what we found was that when I bear hugged her, just kind of wrapping around her to avoid getting kicked and hurt, but trying to get her outside, right. she's putting her arms up, her feet up. She's using the door jam to brace herself. She's not going through this doorway. Guys, I got a plan. Get out of the way. I got this. Just let me handle it. I got it on my own. Okay. I turn her around. And I go out first with my back okay. out the doorway. I'm with you. And when she goes to put her arms and legs out again, right. she has nothing. She tries to grab, but you know she can't hold on. I've already got too much momentum. But she can't brace against it because we're going the opposite direction. Right. Problem solved. I get out so onto this little smart. landing, and I spin around. I'm thinking, see, I, I don't need anyone, anything. I got this. I just saved this call. Officer of the year. Officer of the Year material right here. Go oh, ahead yeah. and cast your vote now, guys. <laughs> I probably didn't Andrew think those things, but <laughs> I was a little proud of myself, I sure. think. Sure. And, of course, I'm doing it on my own. Now, truth be told, I wasn't doing that just to be selfish or be a glory hog or anything like that. The fact of the matter is we could not get all of this out of that through this door. I couldn't even get her through the door. But I get her out, and now I've got to do the same thing down the stairs. I've got to wrangle her down the stairs. Now, there's these walls that she can't really grab anything, and I'm trying to get her down, trying to get her down safely because, she falls, I fall. If I fall on top of her, she's going to get really hurt. There's just too, too many things at play here that we don't want people getting hurt. We don't want ourselves getting hurt, our other officers. So right. I'm trying to get her down. Now, I have abandoned my guys, my colleagues that were more than willing to help me. And, and we could have made it a team effort at this sure. point. But I thought, I got this. It's all on me. I got it, guys. Don't worry about it. I get down to the bottom, finally, the bottom where the lowest landing is. Right. And now here's the door. And I see that we've been in there long enough dealing with this that it was late in the night shift anyway. And the sun has come up. Okay. Right? So it's it's light out now. We went in, it was dark, and now it's light. And I see that light. And I think once I get her outside, we can get her handcuffed. We got room to move. We're not in this cramped apartment space. We can get her outside, get her handcuffed, get her in the car safely. The nightgown will stay down, hopefully, and we'll get her Come out on, to gravity. the jail. Come on, gravity. Come on, gravity. <laughs> we want gravity to work for us. Well, I open the door, and I realize I'm going to have to do the same thing with this most exterior door to get her out onto the sidewalk. She happens to live on a very busy street. I want to get her out on the sidewalk and make this just a real simple, brisk journey to the cruiser. That way, there's not a big scene. What I don't anticipate is that, first of all, she remembered the trick from the third or fourth story, okay. how I got her out in the first place. She remembers again. So this time, she's going to spread her legs and arms before I turn, before I get in position. I see. But I got to be quick and get her through it regardless. She's got to come outside. And so I fling the door open. She flings her arms and legs out. I turn around. I spin around. Somehow, her limbs miss the door jam. And I get her outside. But as I turn around, I don't realize a couple different things because I'm just not focused. Now, had I 
waited on my guys and had my highly trained colleagues coming down with me and we had worked through this together. I probably could have avoided this, but I didn't. I had it, right? Right. I get out the door and as her legs go up in the air, toes pointed toward the sky, that nightgown has yet again worked its way up to midsection. Pesky, pesky nightgown. And there she is with her legs as far spread as she possibly could get them. And as I've spun around, I not only have exposed her to the beautiful morning sunshine, but also to the line of morning commuters stopped at the traffic light on this busy street, the third or fourth car back being the shift sergeant. So there he is. So there he is. There he is. And there she is. In case anybody wants to know, shift sergeant's here. Oh my. He looks at me. He had this way of just peering down over his readers, his bifocals, and just shaking his head. And that's what he did. (laughs) And I thought, I wish this light would turn green. Yes, yes. Everybody in traffic has stopped staring. For some reason, she keeps her feet up. And I'm thinking this, again, only getting worse. Everything about this call is getting worse. Why did I think I could do this on my own? I get her over to the alley, get her into the car. At this point, she's done fighting. She knows that it's just going to happen regardless. But I realized I thought I was real smart doing this on my own. But the fact of the matter is I really could have used some help and I didn't do anything that was dangerous to myself or dangerous to her. That's what I was trying to avoid was anybody getting hurt. Right. But there probably was a better way. Sure. But there I thought in my, in my own stubbornness and my own pride, maybe I thought I got this. I don't need anyone's help. My actions are good enough. Wow, man. Good intentions for sure. Great intentions. Didn't want to hurt anybody. Everything's, hopefully everything's going to be okay, but. I hope so. I can't speak for the people in traffic who saw what they saw. I think they were hurt. I think they were hurt. (laughs) I think their therapist says some of them will make a full recovery and others, well, there's just Uh, not much Others will not. No, that's right. (laughs) Right. They're casualties of of yet another. Right. (laughs) Yet yet another good intention (laughs) gone bad. Right. And that doesn't sound like a really big deal outside of a little bit of the humor that goes with it, the embarrassing aspect to it and things like that. But the idea is we really do try to do things on our own. We sure do. It wasn't necessary. There were other things that we probably could have done. Yes. And that's the same thing we face when we think about that relationship. We think about, okay, is God dangling? I love that you use that illustration because we tend to, to have this idea that I've got to do something. It's got to be something I do that I accomplish, right. something that I do to get me to heaven. Right. And we don't realize, here's the good news. Yes. It's been done for you. That's right. So <laughs> that's exactly you're okay. You don't that's, have to. That's right. He's got this. He's got this. Yes. <laughs> that's right. The grace of God. He's got this. Do you think that sometimes God looks at us and has the same look as my shift sergeant? I and do. just if he were readers, he doesn't need to, of course, but right. he could look down and just peer at us and, and just shake his head. Yes, oh my. I do. Oh, really? Andy. Oh, LJ. Right. LJ. <laughs> always looking for the desert island, always looking for the soup kitchen. Exactly. <laughs> and we do those things not because we are trying to get God to save us, we do those things because he has. Yeah. And we want other people of course. to be a benefactor of the grace of God, like we've been a benefactor of the grace of God. Sure. So if God is so gracious then and God is so good, then why is there hell? Mm. If, if that's the case and God is good, then why does a loving God, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? Great question. That is. A lot of people are asking. They are. Let's try to answer it right after this. Hey, good day. Welcome back. 
You are listening to the Preacher and the Policeman podcast. I'm LJ. I'm the Preacher. And I'm Andy. I'm the Policeman. Obviously, none of us want to go south when we die. We all want to go north. But there is a south. And if there is a south, why does there have to be a south? Why can't there just be a heaven? Mm -hmm. Why can't universalism be right? Everybody goes to heaven. Right. Why can't everybody just at the end of it all, no matter how you lived your life, just stamp your ticket, you're going to go straight to heaven? Why is that? Why does there have to be a hell? Hmm. Well, that's a great question. Hell, according to C.S. Lewis, this is an interesting statement. He said, hell is the greatest monument to human freedom. It sounds a whole lot like what we wow. learned last time about choice. Yeah. G.K. Chesterton said, hell is God's great compliment to the reality of human freedom and the dignity of human choice. And then mm. Paul in Romans 1 said, God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degraded things with each other's bodies. In other words... There is a hell because there is a choice. Right. Every one of us have the opportunity to choose God or not to choose God. And if we choose God here, then obviously we're headed to heaven. But if we choose not to choose God here, why would he sentence us to live with him for eternity if we didn't want to live with him for 50, 60, 70 years here on earth? Hmm. So people will do what they want to do. And that is choice, and God respects choice. That's one of the amazing things about the sovereignty of God is God will restrict his sovereignty or maybe even just kind of stop his sovereignty when it comes to our own. He will not impose his will on us. If, he, if we want to walk away, he will let us walk away. He loves us enough, oddly enough, to say that he would let us go to hell. Right. Now that's interesting. But hell, right. of course, was not created for us. It was created for the devil and his cronies. And yet people keep crashing the party. Scripture says that hell enlarges its mouth every day. Mm -hmm. Heaven is, oh, it's ginormous. It's 1,500 miles cubed, 1,500 by 1,500 by 1,500. Right. Pretty big city. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> hell is like a little janitor's closet. You just have to keep adding on and adding on and adding on mm. until finally enough people hopefully realize, I don't have to go there. So heaven or hell, which one is it for us? Well, that's not arbitrary either. God doesn't just... Eeny, meeny, miny, moe, and say, you're going to heaven, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to heaven, you're going to heaven, you're going to hell. That is choice. Preacher, you talk about God giving that choice, respecting that, and you reference Romans 1, mm -hmm. where he will let you make that choice, even if it includes not having him in your life, not loving him. Right. So I've heard it said before that in that sense, God is the perfect gentleman. So you think it's safe to say that these people that make these choices may not even recognize the fact that if you ask him to leave your life, he'll leave your life. If you ask him to leave your school, if you ask him to leave your place of employment, if you ask him to leave your household, he ultimately will give you what you want. Exactly. He sure will. He mm. is a gentleman. I've never, I haven't found God to force himself on anybody. Yeah. He gave Adam and Eve a choice in the garden. We talked about that last time. They chose sin, and that introduced suffering and brokenness and all of that. And then even in his grace, stepped into that to identify with us in our suffering and give us salve for our suffering. Yeah. But in this case, yes, choice. He allows us to make a choice. We, we have a shed behind our house, and 
that's where we keep the mower and the golf clubs. I haven't swung since the last Haley's Comet. The, the shed smells like old gas and older grass. That's where we keep all of that stuff out of the house. Now, the girls have a warm, cozy bed. Each one of our girls, both of our daughters, have their own room. They've got a fan that blows on them at night if they want to. They've got a cozy, comfy place to sleep. But they have a choice. They could sleep in the shed. Mm -hmm. They could walk out the door. They know the code of the alarm. They know the combination to the lock. They could disarm the alarm. They could open up the lock. They could take their pillow and blankie out to the shed, and they could curl up on plywood and sleep in the shed if they want to. But why in the world would Mm -hmm. they want to do that? Right, right. I paid good money, (laughs) very good money, (laughs) to provide them a cozy, comfy place for them to sleep. Yeah. But they have a choice. Mm -hmm. And if they choose, I'm getting up and I'm getting out, I I will tell them to stay in the house. But if they get up in the middle of the night and I didn't realize it, see, I'm less of a gentleman than God is, I will try to stop them. Sure. God says, you know what you're doing. You're an adult. You Mm -hmm. make that choice. You made that choice. Yes. So God did not create hell for us, but people who are created in his image, knit together with his own hands, for some reason are getting up in the middle of the night. They're disarming the alarm. They're turning the combination on the lock. They're taking their pillow and blanket, and they're sleeping on the plywood floor in mm. the shed when they could sleep in the house. Oh, my That's, goodness. Yeah. That boggles my mind. Dr. David Norris said this, people have to climb over the broken body of Jesus to get to hell. Wow. And yet, for some reason, they are marching headlong, headstrong into yeah. hell, even though they know they don't have to. Right. And I don't understand that. Wow. And yet people would do that. So why would a good God send anybody to hell? Well, he doesn't. Our choices do. Sure. To your story that you shared earlier, if we respond to the grace of God, rather than just trying to, I got this on my own, if I do enough good deeds, that will be a tall enough ladder, I'll climb to heaven. Yes. (laughs) Isaiah said, you take all your good deeds, stack them together, and it's just a pile of filthy laundry. Oh, yeah. We could do a... A whole show just on that statement just alone. Just on that statement alone. And, it's <laughs> and even, that'd be shocking. And it's even shockinger <laughs> if you realize what Isaiah was really exactly. saying. Exactly, sure, yeah, yeah. So God is indeed love, but also God is holy. God yes. will not allow sin and wickedness into heaven. As soon as sin gets into heaven, heaven is no longer heaven. Right. Heaven has become hell. Right. But God will not allow any sin into heaven. But he's given us a fighting chance. He did give us a choice. We can choose to have our sins covered with his own blood, or we could stand and give account for our sins. Right. But the question I have, and this is the one that I think a lot of people want to know, is why would a loving God send anybody to hell? Why can't he just wink at sin and just say, ah, you know what, no big deal, you come on in? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great question. I think a lot of people will probably ask that, but we've already talked about the fact that he is loving that he gives us choice, right? And that he's also holy. Let's not forget exactly. But he's also just. He is just. Is he not? That's right. Yes. So I decided twenty three and a half years ago that I wanted to serve criminal justice. I wanted to be in the criminal justice system, finding ways to 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 seek out justice and to and to make things better for people who were done unjustly. Right. Imagine imagine God doing this for the whole world. His view on justice, right. we can't even come close of no, course, not even. But he's got to be just and you talked about this universalist idea that everyone should go to heaven. Sure. Well, 
we see that there are people who seem to get away with things in this world. Right. We see victims who never get retribution. They never get restitution. They never get the closure from the person that has victimized them. Right. So couldn't there be justice somewhere? Please tell me there's justice somewhere. Well, I'm glad you asked. Okay. <laughs> if you call now, we'll send justice right your way. There is justice. Every unrepented sin will be judged on the day of judgment. Yeah. Every wrong will be righted. Every upside-down decision will be turned right-side up. Right. Everything will be accounted. The, the universalist idea is great until you realize you realize you could be next door to Adolf Hitler, yeah. Mussolini. You could be right next door to Stalin in heaven. Mm. You okay with that? Mm. Nobody's okay with that. Right. Everybody looks at Hitler and says, he should go to hell. Sure. Everybody says that. Sure. What about, what about somebody who didn't kill six million Jews, but what about somebody who killed... Six mm. people. Yeah. What about somebody who killed one person? Right. What about somebody who their words and their actions caused another person to take their own life? Mm-hmm. And we look at those and they say, well, that's not as bad, but we're not God. Right. He is holy, holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, H-O-L-Y. He is completely, absolutely, without blemish, holy. Yeah. And he doesn't see things like we see. We see things kind of scaled and this is not as bad as that, but he sees this is sin. Yeah. This separates people from God, right? and this is righteousness. Mm-hmm. So for God, this whole concept of, of people who have sinned, it's far more severe than we can think. Yeah. And so lest we feel hopeless and, oh man, there's nothing we can do. If I sin, I'm doomed. Mm-hmm. I've got good news. The good news is yeah. the good news. Sure. And the good news is the good news is still the good news. <laughs> right. The gospel says that even though we are sinners, born sinners, with a sinful nature and bent on sin, God has provided a way for us to be forgiven. He came. Yes. Before before you give that away, yes, that's right. Just so I'm on the same page. Yes. Because I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have broken God's commandments that He's given us. Right. 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 Even little things. I'm no Hitler. Right. But I think I stole a pen from a bank one time. I think oh. I've probably lusted, coveted, told a fib. I think I've done those things. So I know that I'm not worthy of going to heaven. So just to make sure I'm on the same page, surely I can do some good things to make up for the stolen bank pin or the little white lie, (laughs) or maybe the little moment of lust I had Maybe I can make up for that. Is that is that what this good news is you're about to lay on me? I'm afraid not. There's surely something it's I can do. better than that. What, what do I need to pay? What do I need to give okay. in order for this to, to work? Because I want to go to heaven. I do not want to go to hell. Totally understand. It's not if you can't even sow enough, quote, seed offerings to make it to heaven. All right. The good news is Jesus Christ, God himself, came in flesh, and he laid down his life to pay the penalty for the sin we commit. It would be as if in a courtroom, we know we're going to be sentenced and our defense attorney who happens to be the judge, which is amazing how God fulfills all those rules. Yeah. Our defense attorney stands up and says, I will pay the penalty. I will take the sentence, even the death sentence yeah. for my client. The right. one I represent, the one I am advocating for. It's why he's called our advocate. Yeah. I will take that penalty. Yeah. But he did that for all mankind and he was innocent, did nothing wrong. Yeah. And yet he took that for us. Wow. So we hear that gospel and say, why would he do that for me? Well, because he loves us. Right. And because his holiness had to be satisfied. 
Mm-hmm. And his love had to be satisfied. And they collided on the cross as the holiness and the love of God yeah. came together on Calvary. Right, right. The question everybody wants to know, like we've said in this episode, is how could a loving God send anyone to hell? That's really not the question. Mm. You look at it from God's standpoint, it really should be, why would a loving God, why would a holy God allow any of us into heaven? Right. We don't deserve it. Sure. We haven't earned it. We're not good enough. We're certainly not sinless. Yeah. So why would he do that? Mm. That would be because of grace. Right. And thank God for his grace. Grace, yes. Grace. Yes. And you mentioned earlier, because there are going to be some people that maybe knew a little bit of this, and they're going to want to dive a little bit deeper, Mm -hmm. and they're going to probably seize on a few things you said to maybe get them inspired for some more study. So things like the idea of hell, this this idea that there is this place, this garden shed that you keep your gas and all the stuff you don't want in the (laughs) house. Are you saying that this was not part of the original plan? Good question. Because it sounds like he never intended us for for us to go there, right? I right. Mean, that was never the original idea. Exactly. But yet he's made this wonderful way. Yes. That The way you explain it, it's awful easy. I don't right. have to do all these. I will do some good things that sure. are a byproduct of the fact that I love him, I serve him, I'm in submission to him. But I don't have to go do those things thinking, this is how I get there. This is how I get to heaven, right? Right, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Wow. So let's take you back to Acts Chapter 2, Peter had preached to everybody there on the street that everything they had done was wrong. They had crucified the Lord of glory. God Mm -hmm. Almighty loved them enough, came in flesh, gave his life, lived his life, worked miracles, raised their dead, healed their sick, and as a result, they crucified him. So for 4,000 years, their ancestors had been praying for a Messiah to come, and he came, and they killed him. Mm -hmm. And so they were cut to the heart, the Bible says, which is conviction. They were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter, as he preached that message, what do we do? You just tell us what to do. We'll bring as many sacrifices as we need to bring. We'll bring as much money as we need to bring. We'll sell our own kids. We'll, the, how about mm. the seed, the fruit of our body for the sin of our soul? We'll, we'll give you whatever yeah. God requires. And Peter said, I'll tell you what God requires. He requires repentance. Mm. You are a sinner. Repent. Turn from sin. Right. Turn toward him. And then he preached to them about baptism, about entering into this covenant relationship with God, whereby his name would be called over us. And then he would give us his spirit to give us the power to live a life above sin. And if we do sin, we repent again mm. and ask God for mercy. Wow. It's not a matter of how much can I pay? How much can I, how many sacrifices can I offer? It's all a matter of how can I respond to this gospel by allowing God to cover me for the sin I've committed? How he it's loves us. How he loves wow. us. Wow. It's amazing. Wow. It's grace. Yeah. It's it, the gospel. It's good news. It really is. So let's wrap up with answering a simple answer to a very complex question. How could a loving God send anybody to hell? Mm. Well, he doesn't. Our choices do. Yeah. But why would a holy God let anyone of us into heaven? Well, that, no. that is grace. Yeah. And thank God for it. Amen. How about we pray right now and ask the Lord to help us to respond to that glorious gospel that he has shared with us, Mm. and then hopefully God is moving on you, and if you have never yet responded to the gospel in that way, that you would do so and allow God to cover you and cleanse you and bring you closer to him. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy, your grace and your kindness. 
Thank you for providing a way. Thank you for this glorious gospel you have given us. I do pray you administer to every one of those listening, every one of these who are hearing this, perhaps for the first time, hearing the gospel. God, I pray, help them to respond. Help us, Lord, for those who are jaded or disillusioned with you or with religion. Help them, Lord Jesus, to turn to you, to look to you, to respond in faith to the offer you have made us of eternal life. I do pray you would help us, draw us close to you, and help us to share this good news with others so we can see as many made right with you before you come back for your church. I pray this all and thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, thanks so much, Preacher and the Policeman podcast listeners. Next time, we're going to tackle another tough question, just because apparently we like doing that kind of thing. We like, the t- we like going deep. We, do- we, we like going like deep. Going we're, deep not, yeah. we're not really the shallow end of the pool. So we're going to look at, can we really trust the Bible? What I, we've shared with you in this episode and others has been built from the Bible. So that really begs the question, well, how do I know the good book is not just another good book? Great so topic. Gonna, so we're going to try to answer that one next time. Yeah. Until then... I'm LJ, I'm the preacher. And I'm Andy, I'm the policeman. So be blessed. And be safe. 